0: Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your name is holy. We thank you this morning for bringing us up, giving us life and breath. Your life is in our nostrils. Lord, we thank you for having given us another opportunity to make things right. We thank you for the chance, the opportunity to reveal thy glory. You've called us unto glory and virtue. Although we want to open your word we pray that as we open them may we see things that make for peace today lead us lord in the paths of all righteousness that after all is said and done we will be with thee forever and ever this is our prayer to
1: christ our lord amen our high calling august 20 an irresistible influence put on then as God's chosen ones holy and beloved compassion kindness lowliness meekness and patience colossians chapter 3 verse 12 kind words pleasant looks a cheerful countenance through a charm around the Christian that makes his influence almost irresistible. This is a way to gain respect and extend the sphere of usefulness which costs but little. It is the religion of Christ in the heart that causes the words issuing therefrom to be gentle and the demeanor condescending even to those in the humblest walks of life a blustering fault-finding overbearing man is not a christian for to be christian is to be christ-like he who drinks in the spirit of christ will let it flow forth in kind words and be expressed in courteous deportment The plan of salvation is to soften whatever is harsh and rough in the temper, and to smooth off whatever is rugged or sharp in the manners. External change will testify of an internal change. The truth is the sanctifier, the refiner. Received into the heart, it works with hidden power, transforming the receiver. But those who profess the truth and at the same time are rough and sour and unkind in words and deportment have not learned of Jesus. All these manifestations show that they are yet servants of the wicked one. No man can be a Christian without having the Spirit of Christ manifesting meekness gentleness and refinement of manners. Pleasant, kind and well-bred Christians will have an influence for God and His truth. It cannot be otherwise. The light borrowed from heaven will shed its brightening rays through them to the pathway of others. The words we speak Our daily deportment are the fruit growing upon the tree. If the fruit is sour and unpalatable, the rootlets of that tree are not drawing nourishment from a pure source. If our affections are brought into harmony with our Savior, if our characters are meek and lowly, We evidence that our life is hid with Christ in God, and we shall leave behind us a bright track. Beholders will discern that we have been with Jesus and learned of him. Amen. The title of our devotion is An Irresistible Influence. What is it that gives us an irresistible influence? It is love and uh, displayed in politeness and courtesy. Our key text is Colossians 3 verse 12 which says, Put on then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness, and patience if we put on these characters which are outflows of love actually compassion being an outflow of love kindness and lowliness meekness and patience these are all attributes of love because love is kind love is patient love is meek love is compassionate and then it also does not vaunt itself, that is, it's not proud, it's lowly. So when you see this, put on compassion, kindness, lowliness, meekness and patience, it's simply summarized by saying, put on love. And love is indeed an irresistible influence when displayed in our characters by anyone, even if it was the devil, if he puts on these characters and presents his error in compassion and kindness and lowliness, and presents his error in meekness and patience, he has a greater chance of being listened to than the truth being presented without these characteristics. The truth being presented without compassion and pity, sympathy, kindness, lowliness, meekness, patience, courtesy and politeness will be very, very distasteful to people and an opposition will rise against it. But if the truth is presented in these characteristics in saying teaching the truth in love just say that teaching the truth in love if the truth is taught in love it will have an irresistible influence even if not received uh, people will at least consider it or believe it so the question we should be asking ourselves is how how can i put on these things we've talked about court we've talked about patience and maybe at least three times in this month so we need to really get into the nitty-gritty of it and ask ourselves okay we know we are supposed to be kind in our words we know that we're supposed to be gentle towards all men we know we are supposed to be compassionate and considerate of men but then you may not still do it perhaps you are harsh perhaps you're sarcastic perhaps your words are not kind you are not gentle the question then is why, even when you know you are supposed to be gentle, why are you struggling to be je- to be gentle or to be kind and compassionate? It is because we have not drank from the fountain, Jesus Christ. Our high calling page, two, three, eight, paragraph three says, "He who drinks in the spirit of Christ will let it flow forth in kind words and be expressed in courteous deportment." So that means we need to drink. In the spirit of Christ. And the same book, page 238, paragraph 2 says, It is the religion of Christ in the heart that causes the words issuing therefrom to be gentle and the demeanor condescending, even to those in humblest walks of life. So the religion of Christ needs to be in us. The hindrance to love and all this characteristics we have listed i would say one of it top most of it is selfishness if you are always thinking of yourself and what there is in it for you and always wanting to have your way since love considers others and thinks of others more than himself you cannot possibly be gentle and compassionate and kind and courteous to others because you are always thinking of self selfishness debars us from being kind and loving and compassionate because you will not want to leave your own thing to face other people's things love and this irresistible influence will consider others better than himself that is philippians 2 reading from verse 1 down to verse 4 he says if there be any boils of mercies fulfill you my joy that ye be like-minded one toward another consider others better than yourself look not on your own things but look on the things of others let this mind be in you which was also in christ jesus nothing should be done through strife or vain glory but you should consider others better than yourself if you don't have the mind of christ which is the mind of selfless sacrifice then you cannot possibly have love but then how can we have the mind of christ so that we can become courteous and pitiful what can transform us and make us see these things and start to become gentle to others you can't force yourself to be gentle you can't possibly force yourself to become less harsh than you have been or to become considerate and pitiful and lowly you can't force yourself to do that but the love of christ can touch you to change you know you need to have the mind of christ but how can you have it you see, the, the the greatest, one of the great evidence. Let me not say the greatest, but one great evidence to show that we are being hypocrites is when our gentleness and our kindness is only shown when we need something from someone, or it's given to a certain caste of people, and then for others it is not given. If you are gentle and loving and kind and compassionate and pitiful and sympathetic and lowly to the rich and to those in a certain position, or to those who are affluent, or those who we need something from, and then the poor, or you see someone who, there's nothing in it for me, I'm not really asking you for anything, I don't need anything from you, and because of that, you become harsh to the person, your gentleness is only for a select few, then that is selfishness, that is not possibly love love flows out to everyone jesus death was for everyone it was not for the rich alone neither was it for the poor alone it was not for those of high position while neglecting those of a low position it was for everybody so if our love is not flowing out to everybody if our kind words are reserved only for certain people you've become too familiar with your family members and then you feel you can speak to them anyhow no need to be courteous to them no need to be kind to them and you're kind to people out there then that can't be possibly love charity begins at home love begins at home if it is kept for those outside it is selfishness because you are being kind to those out there because you want something from them you may probably want them to see you as a nice person that's all you want and that's why you talk that way but for those who you don't care about you don't care whether they see you as nice or not you can talk to them anyhow you are not really trying to get anything from them so you you can choose not to be kind and lowly towards them and meek towards them or compassionate and courteous so we must have a mind of christ that loves everyone but how can i have it how can i have that mind so that i can really have, be like christ in my deportment and have this irresistible influence behold christ that is how by beholding him we become changed when you consider that jesus died on the cross of calvary for your sins and you didn't ask him to But he considered you, and he loved you, and did this for you. If you would think about it and meditate more on it, dwell on it a lot, you will find out that it will have an effect on you that will transform you in the way you relate to others. When you consider that the knowledge you have now, you didn't work for it, it is a privilege that you have it. You will look at others and say, oh, this one doesn't have it and it's not their fault. I will want to give it to them. Also, when you consider that all men need to be saved and you really love them. Look at people who do marketing, for example. They are always kind. Why? Because they have something they want to get from people or they want to give to them. They are, I won't say say always, but it's a principle for them to always be kind to people, you understand? So for us, we need to understand that if you really love someone and you really want to help them and you feel this truth of the word of God has come to me and I really want others to receive it, you will be considerate you will be able to lose some things just so that you can help them you'll be lowly you will do all that is within the confines of the principles of god's word so that you can enter into their hearts and give them the word of truth but when you are careless towards people you are not even trying to help them you're not trying to save them from sin or trying to lead them to christ then you become careless that's why you can argue with the man on the road you're not preaching to him you're not trying to lead him to christ that's why you can exchange words with him and be angry at him and then you will people get uh, into a fight and also any other stranger somewhere but when we consider that we are ambassadors of christ and we have received something from him and we realize our duty towards all men then you would see that it will transform you everywhere, whether to the stranger on the street or to your family member in the home or to your friend out there, it will show. It will show because you feel you have an obligation to the world and you have a duty to perform for them and the reason you feel that way is because of what you have received from the Lord you have beheld Christ and you have seen his matchless love you have tasted of it and you have been a recipient of it and you realize how unworthy you are to have received it and you see that it was not by your works but you were privileged you know what we we'll say today? People are talking of privilege a lot. White privilege, this privilege. Do you know that you are also privileged? Everybody talking of white privilege, but Christians, you are privileged as far as you are a Christian. Be you black or white, you have privilege. And then there is guilt. Why is there guilt? Because you feel, oh, because I was privileged, I was not able to do, I didn't do what I'm supposed to do to those who are less privileged. Oh, Christian, do you know that those who are not, who do not know Jesus, are less privileged, and that you owe them a duty? to give to them the word of god and then that white guilt people are having now should be transformed to christian guilt guilt for not doing what you are supposed to have done be you black or white be you hispanic or asian wherever you are from as far as you are a christian you should have it too if you've not done your duty that's christian guilt and should lead you to be more considerate to others knowing that you're supposed to have done something for them that you have not done and it should lead you to have that love and kindness towards them knowing very well that you didn't get this thing by your own uh, effort but the Lord in his mercy and goodness chose you out of this world chose you intentionally brought you out brought his Holy Spirit to you and his angels and talked to you therefore this should lead you to that love and kindness towards others if we are indeed partaking of the religion of christ and it's in our heart and we drink from christ's fountain dwelling with him then you will see that that transformation will come into our lives and what does it do pleasant kind and well-bred christians will have an influence for god and his truth it cannot be otherwise. the light borrowed from heaven will shed its brightening rays through them to the pathway of others. The words we speak our daily deportment and the fruit growing upon the tree. If the fruit is sour and unpalatable, the rootlets of that tree are not drawing nourishment from a pure source it if our affections are brought into harmony with our savior if our characters are meek and lowly we evidence that our life is hid with christ in god and we shall leave behind us a bright track and those who see us will discern that we have been with jesus and learned of him that's our high calling page 238 paragraph 4 this is what will happen to us and to others when we put on the lord jesus christ it is not christian to be harsh like we told here, where well, well, like I told you, no man can be a Christian without having the spirit of Christ, manifesting meekness, gentleness, and refinement of manners. You can't say you are a Christian without having these things. that roughness, that sharpness, that sourness in your words and in the looks on your face and your character needs to be taken away by beholding Christ. If we behold Christ, we become more cheerful to people, more kind, more loving more compassionate and it will show in the way we carry ourselves and our words may the lord give us the grace that we will indeed put on then the lord jesus christ in love amen amen
0: the title again says an irresistible influence in other words you cannot resist the influence What is this irresistible influence? Second paragraph says, Kind words, pleasant looks, A cheerful countenance, Throw a charm around the Christian That makes his influence almost irresistible. Hallelujah. So this is not voodoo here. This is a Christian charm That makes his influence almost irresistible. It's very different from what we learn every day in our society from what we see around us where we think that the only way to gain respect is when you raise your voice at people you shout them, come here come back here fathers mothers teach children with author they call it authoritative tones and that's the way you gain respect but we see in the reading it says that kind words pleasant looks a cheerful countenance Throw a charm around the Christian that makes his influence almost irresistible. This is a way to gain respect and extend the sphere of usefulness which costs but little. It is the religion of Christ and the heart that causes the words issuing therefrom to be gentle and the demeanor condescending even to those in the humblest walks of life. Christianity, friends, by no means destroys civility. Religion should promote a courteous and sweet temper towards all. Sometimes we give a false idea of religion and reproach it when we hide behind it and will take encouragement from it to be sour and morose. And Christian's salutation are not mere empty compliments, but are real expression of goodwill to others and commend them to the divine grace and blessings. Kindness overcomes selfishness. We will see this in the lives of two people, two of them. One is kindness and one is selfishness. Both of them are dwelling in the same house, husband and wife. Even David encountered them, David who was a warrior, a bold one, he did not blink before Goliath. There was nobody to face Goliath in all Israel they were afraid of him for two months but not David the same fearless David when he encountered kindness her influence was irresistible and he trembled at the words of this woman First Samuel chapter 25 verse 3 said, the man's name was Nabal and his wife's name was Abigail she was both wise and beautiful but the man was harsh and his deeds were evil he was a Calabite. In this story, we will see how the Lord will have the wife render respect unto her husband, but always as it is fit in the Lord. In the character of a big girl, the wife of Nabel, we have an illustration of womanhood after the order of Christ, while her husband illustrates what a man may become who yields himself to the control of Satan. Abigail was a beautiful, kind, and intelligent wife. She was a beautiful, kind, and intelligent wife or neighbor, a mean and violent tempered man. By her wise cause, she was able to avoid much bloodshed when her husband treated David and his men with contempt. I read from Daughters of God, page 41. David and his men protected the flocks and herds of a wealthy man named Nabal, who had vast possession in Paran. Nabal's character was cholish and niggardly. It was a time of sheep shearing, a season of hospitality. David and his men were in need of provision, and the son of Jesse sent ten young men to Nabal, bidding him, bidding them greet him in their master's name. Peace be both to thee, and peace be to thine house, and peace be unto all that thou hast. And now I have heard that thou hast us. Now thy shepherds, which were with us, were hurt them not. We hurt them not. Neither was there aught missing unto them all the while they were in Camel. Ask thy young men, and they will show thee. Wherefore, Give, I pray thee, whatsoever cometh to thy hand unto thy servant, and to thy son David. This rich man was asked to furnish from his abundance some relief to the necessities of those who had done him such valuable service. The answer neighbor returned indicated his character. Who is David, and who is the son of Jesse? There be many servants nowadays that break away every man from his master. Shall I then take my bread and my water and my flesh that I have killed for my shearers and give it unto men whom I know not whence they be? David was filled with indignation. He determined to punish the man who had denied him what was his right and had added insults to injury this impulsive movement was more in harmony with the character of Saul than that of David the son of Jesse had yet to learn patience so naturally we see in the story from eternity past 484 that David wanted to respond iron for iron is that not what we do today when somebody speaks to you in a way that is, seems harsh, you want to retaliate, you want to re- throw words back so that you give it to them so that they know that you are not to push over. But just in time, kind words stepped in. Without consulting her husband, Abigail made up an ample supply of provisions which she sent forward in the charge of servants and herself started out to meet David. When Abigail saw David, she hastened and lighted off the arse, and fell before David on her face and bowed herself to the ground, and fell at his feet, and said, Upon me, my lord, upon me let this iniquity be, and let thy handmaid, I pray thee, speak in thine audience. Abigail addressed David with such with as much reverence as though speaking to a crown monarch. With kind words she sought to suit his irritated feelings. Full of the wisdom and love of God, she made it plain that the unkind cause of her husband was in no wise premeditated, but simply the outburst of an unhappy, selfish nature. See the words now that melted David's bones. She then offered her rich Provision as a peace offering to the men of David. She said, The Lord will certainly make my Lord a sure house, because my Lord fighted the battles of the Lord, and evil had not been found in thee all thy days. Abigail implied that David ought to fight the battles of the Lord. He was not to seek revenge for personal wrongs, even though persecuted as a traitor. And it shall come to pass, when the Lord shall have done to my Lord according to all the good that he had spoken concerning thee, and shall have appointed thee prince over Israel, that thee shall be no grief unto thee, no offense of heart unto my Lord, either that thou hast shed blood causeless, or that my Lord had avenged himself. The Parity of Abigail like the fragrance of a flower, breathed out all unconsciously in the face and word and action. The Spirit of God was abiding in her soul. Her speech, seasoned with grace, shared a heavenly influence. David trembled at, him as he thought of his rash purpose. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Matthew chapter 5 verse 9. Oh that many will Oh that many more, like this woman of Israel, will soothe irritated feelings, prevent rash impulse, and quell great evils by words of calm wisdom. David's passion died away under the power of Abigail's influence and reasoning. He was convinced that he had lost control of his own spirit, with humble heart, he received the rebuke in harmony with his own words Let the righteous smite me, it shall be a kindness, and let him reprove me, it shall be an excellent oil. Psalms 141, verse 5. He gave thanks and blessings because she advised him righteously. How few take reproof with gratitude and bless those who seek to save them from pursuing an evil cause. Abigail saw that something must be done to avert the result of Nabal's fault and that she must take the responsibility of acting immediately without the counsel of her husband. She knew that it would be useless to speak to him for he will receive her proposition only with abuse and contempt. He will remind her that he was the lord of his household. I pause. That is what men do today. Don't you know that I am the I'm the head of this house the woman must submit that's the only scripture they will, they will always give to cover themselves and most women today will respond by taking um, they'll wear bomb shots to go and fight to defend the name of their husband but see what she did that she was his wife and therefore in subjection to him and most and must do as he should dictate She gathered together such tools as she thought best to conciliate the wrath of David. She knew he was determined to avenge himself for the insult he had received. Abigail's cause in this matter was one that God approved and the circumstances revealed in her a noble spirit and character. Abigail met David with respect, showing him honor and deference and pleaded her cause eloquently and successfully while not excusing her husband's insolence she still pleaded for his life she also revealed the fact that she was not only a discreet woman but a godly woman acquainted with the works and ways of God and David I pause so we take lessons from the two lives in the same house in the same church in the same family, we see this happening day after day. But, uh, by the way, have you noticed that there was a, he was a heavy drinker? Just make me wonder why most men today are so ill-tempered. Maybe s- some of us are not drunkers. We have not drunk wine. We are not drinkers. It is probable that our food can make us peevish all the time has to be employed in preparing these things for the appetite which ruin health. Sour the temper and becloud the reasoning faculties. I just read from Councils on Diet, page 149 says, the time most of us spend in preparing food that will sour our stomach and becloud our reasoning and faculties. Wasted, preparing food, seasoned with spices, which ruin health, sour temper, it sour the temper, and the cloud arisen. I'll read it again from Second Mind Character and Personality 394. It says, Dyspepture leads to irritability. A dyspeptic stomach always leads to irritability. A sour stomach leads to a sour temper your body must be kept in subjection if you make it a meat temple for the indwelling of the holy spirit Eat sparingly of even wholesome food exercise moderately and you will feel that your life your life is of some account it is no far fetch you don't you don't have to look far that the science i've been telling us today that what we eat most times responsible for the way we behave and the way we feel and so you see that especially for people that eat a lot of pepper all these pepperish things and very it's not far they will begin to tell you that i have short fuse i easily get irritated and angry and so you transfer that temper even to the things that pertains to life and godliness and so that's why you see all this fight in the church I'll read the last quote from 2nd 7 manuscripts 347 it says then one of the most solemn addresses was given upon temperance the subject was taken up from the table here said the speaker is the appetite created for love of strong liquor appetite and passions are the ruling scenes of the age appetite the way it is indulged influences the stomach and excites the animal propensities. The moral powers are depressed and become the slave of, to appetite. The use of flesh, the use of flesh meat stimulates and inflames the flesh of dead animals, produces disease of almost every type. And the afflicted think and talk as though God's providence had something to do when the cause of their suffering was what they placed upon their own tables in butter, in spices and cheese in flesh meats and a variety of dishes that are not hygienic which tempt constantly to eat too much. See when we read the rest of the story we'll see the danger of what we eat and how it relates to our behavior even amongst ourselves. So my prayer is that as the title of the devotion says an irresistible influence may we begin to learn to copy jesus so that we have that kind of charm thrown around us in jesus name amen let us pray our father and our god we are so grateful and so delighted to hear this that it is possible for us to have an irresistible influence And only as we receive from thee, as we copy thee, that this will become possible. But Lord, we are grateful that we are hearing this today because it's another high calling. And you're calling us to virtue and knowledge. And so we lie before thee, O Lord, to receive from thee as you've promised. Help us. We know that today we'll find opportunities to put these things to practice people will test us people will speak to us words that we naturally will tend by default to respond remind us O lord that we have a mission and may we respond as you will respond may we act as if you uh, indeed walking upon the earth that man will begin to see you revealed even in our lives this is our prayer to christ our lord amen